value sixpence. Price in Verloc's shop, one and sixpence, which, once outside, he would drop stealthily into the gutter. The evening visitors, men with collars turned up and soft hats rammed down, nodded familiarly to Mrs. Verloc, and with a muttered greeting, lifted up the flap at the end of the counter in order to pass into the back parlour, which gave access to a passage and to a steep flight of stairs. The door of the shop was the only means of entrance to the house in which Mr. Verloc carried on his business of a seller of shady wares, exercised his vocation of a protector of society, and cultivated his domestic virtues. These last were pronounced. He was thoroughly domesticated. Neither his spiritual nor his mental nor his physical needs were of the kind to take him much abroad. He found at home the ease of his body and the peace of his conscience, together with Mrs. Verloc's wifely attentions and the erratic services of Mrs. Verloc's brother, Stevie. He was difficult, that boy. He was delicate and, in a frail way, good-looking, too, except for the vacant droop of his lower lip. Under our excellent system of compulsory education, he had learned to read and write, notwithstanding the unfavourable aspect of the lower lip. But as errand boy, he did not turn out a great success. He forgot his messages. He was easily diverted from the straight path of duty by the attractions of stray cats and dogs, which he followed down narrow alleys into unsavoury courts, by the comedies of the streets, which he contemplated open-mouthed to the detriment of his employer's interests, or by the dramas of fallen horses, whose pathos and violence induced him sometimes to shriek piercingly in a crowd, which disliked to be disturbed by sounds of distress in its quiet enjoyment of the national spectacle. When led away by a grave and protecting policeman, it would often become apparent that poor Stevie had forgotten his address, at least for a time. A brusque question caused him to stutter to the point of suffocation. When startled by anything perplexing, he used to squint, horribly. However, he never had any fits, which was encouraging. And before the natural outbursts of impatience on the part of his father, he could always, in his childhood's days, run for protection behind the short skirts of his sister, Winnie. On the other hand, he might have been suspected of hiding a fund of reckless naughtiness. When he had reached the age of fourteen, a friend of his late father, an agent for a foreign-preserved milk firm, Having given him an opening as office boy, he was discovered one foggy afternoon, in his chief's absence, busy letting off fireworks on the staircase. He touched off in quick succession a set of fierce rockets, angry Catherine wheels, loudly exploding squibs, and the matter might have turned out very serious. An awful panic spread through the whole building. Wild-eyed, choking clerks stampeded through the passages full of smoke. Silk hats and elderly businessmen could be seen rolling independently down the stairs. Stevie did not seem to derive any personal gratification from what he had done. His motives for this stroke of originality were difficult to discover. It was only later on that Winnie obtained from him a misty and confused confession. It seems that two other office boys in the building had worked upon his feeling by tales of injustice and oppression, till they had wrought his compassion to the pitch of that frenzy. But his father's friend, of course, 
dismissed him summarily as likely to ruin his business. Nowadays, the luckless Stevie slept in one of the two back rooms on the first floor of Mr. Verloc's house. By this time, a growth of thin, fluffy hair had come to blur, like a golden mist, the sharp line of his small lower jaw. He helped his sister with blind love and docility in her household duties. Mr. Verloc thought that some occupation would be good for him. His spare time he occupied by drawing circles with compass and pencil on a piece of paper. He applied himself to that pastime with great industry, with his elbows spread out and bowed low over the kitchen table. Through the open door of the parlour at the back of the shop, Winnie, his sister, glanced at him from time to time with maternal vigilance. Such was the house, the household, and the business Mr. Verloc left behind him on his way westward at the hour of half-past ten in the morning.